Welcome to the My Big Church Podcast. On this podcast, you will hear a message of hope and inspiration from one of our pastors. We hope you enjoy the message. This is the Big Church Podcast. When I think back about the times, I remember growing up with my mom, and uh, my mom was very, the, the, she ruled the roost, if y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, so my mom, I can remember her saying, this is my house, and you're going to, come on, anybody remember that? This is my house, and you're going to do what I tell you to do in my house. I make the rules. I pay the rent. Come on. Anybody ever say that to their kids out there? I, hey, I pay the bills around here. You better turn off the ceiling fans. You better turn. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Every light in the house is on, you know, every, when you walk through the house. But I can remember that those times when my mom said this. So we're going to be talking about a ha- our house and what our house looks like over the next several weeks. And like I said, last week we talked about a house divided. But there are, there are over 700,000 people in Louisville, over 700,000 people in Louisville who do not attend church. Wow. There are over 700,000 people who seldom attend church. And there are, or there is that same amount of number who never attend church. So when you open a church, what should you open a church to look for? The people that don't go to church. Right or wrong? I do not want, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I don't want to grow a church from the one that closed up the street. I don't want to grow a church from somebody who's maybe disgruntled and, and, and don't like, there's nothing wrong. I'm just saying, I want to, when we're, when God put our vision together and he talked to us about this, he said, we want you to go after a demographic that really nobody is kind of going after right now. So I want to, I want to push you to know that we are going after the unchurched. We are going after the de-churched and we're going after the over-churched. Come on, we're going after all of these demographics right now. Let me tell you why. Here, you know, many of you in here, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but many of you in here have been a Christian less than about three to four years, right? I see a lot of people out here. And you know what that tells me? There's a lot of new Christians in the house. Here's what I want you mature people. Don't shut me down when I start talking about this. All of a sudden, the start people have been in church their whole life. They turn their hearing aids off or their spiritual hearing aids off. I want you to hear what I got to say. Paul, the greatest man who ever lived, the, he wrote two-thirds of the, of the New Testament. He said this in Philippians 3.13. He says this. He says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. So everybody that's been in church their whole life, don't shut me down. Let me tell you why. Because you've not arrived. Oh, I'm about to get in trouble up in here. You've not arrived. You don't have it all together. You're not perfect. So why? We want the world to know God, but yet again, we turn right around in judgment. We turn right around and we talk uh, about people who've only been serving God for six months, who may not have it all together, who may not know the way that it seems to go. We talk about those people and we're just poor, poor role models. I'm talking to the mature Christians in this place. We need you to step up and to be the big brothers and the big sisters and the moms and the dads of those that are coming in this place who don't know who God is. We got to stop judging people. We got to quit. We got to start having more grace and mercy. Once you extend grace and aren't you so God for, aren't you so glad for God's amazing grace? If it had not been for God's grace, you wouldn't be sitting in this seat right now. I would be dead somewhere if it had not been for the goodness of God that drew me to repentance. 
grace and mercy first. Then you can correct. You've been here long enough. You know that we do speak correction. We do talk about sin. We do talk about those things that people say that you know, they don't talk about at big church. Well, they don't. You need to come to church every once in a while and not get on Instagram and form your own opinions. I'm a little fired up this morning. Somebody got me fired up yesterday. So, Philippians, I added a lot of this stuff yesterday morning after my day. Philippians 3.15 says this. Therefore, let us, as many as are what? Mature, say mature, mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Verse 16, nevertheless, to the degree that you've already attained, there's people in different parts of the process right now. There's people that have been in church their whole life. There's people who just started church and they're looking around like, what the heck is going on? We have to be in this process. We need mature Christians in the house. Why? Because we're building a new house. This house is not going to look like the old house. This house is not going to be framed the way that you've always framed your mind. If you've been in church your whole life, you may come in here and go, man, this doesn't look anything like what I look. That's good. That's okay. Have you ever went to a neighborhood and every one of the houses looked the same? You ever been into that? I drove in one time and like, there was like 100 houses out there. They all looked the same. I said, how boring. Me on a bad night, I probably couldn't even, I'll be like, what house am I going to here? <laughs> Kane. <laughs> Our son did that one night, so never mind. But not every house is the same. If the, every house was the same, it would be very, very boring. I want our house to look different. We don't have to look the same. We don't have to attract the same people. We don't have to fit into the church mold. Opposition is going to come when you don't look the same. If you want to just fit into the mold and do everything that everybody else is doing and try to figure out how, how a better program because the one half the street had, I want to start a new program here, and that's program leading people to Jesus and knowing God. I got this. I got this in a text message yesterday. That's why I'm fired up. When a church changes their values to match culture, they no longer are following the Bible. They're following the lost. Obviously, you've only been to church one time. You've only been in my house one time, and you're going to send something like that to me? Let me tell you what's going on in this house. Lives are being changed in this house. People are becoming to know Jesus in this house. Healing is taking place in this house. And you may not see arms growing out and legs extended, but I'm telling you, hearts are being mended in this house. Don't judge me unless you're in me. We are building a house. And guess what? I'm not, a, I'm not a carpenter. You don't want me to build you a physical house because if not, it'd be crooked and sideways and everything else. But we are in this thing together and we are building a house that people from outside can come into and feel comfortable in. We're building a house that someone out there will come into and say, man, I like this place. I don't have to have on a suit and a tie and I don't have to have it all together. I can just come on in here. There are barriers. I'm on the clock, but the clock ain't going to matter this morning. There are barriers that were set up to hinder us from knowing God. We want people to know God. That's what this whole thing's about, knowing God. The barrier for us to know God started a long time ago. So sometimes you've got to go back to the beginning and start from the beginning. 
Genesis 3.1. We're going to do the whole Bible this morning. Y'all are going to be here all day. Praise God. Here we go. Now the serpent was much more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, listen to this, has God indeed said, remember those words, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. Do you realize something today that you have a real enemy? You have someone that a lot of churches won't talk about because he's not popular. Oh, Lord. You have an enemy who is out to steal, to kill, and destroy, and lie to you. He's in your ear all day long, all day, every day. He's there all the time. So I think the problem is, is if you, you don't know what you don't know. So we're going back to the beginning. He says this. The first thing he tries to put in there to block their knowledge of God is he tries to put doubt in there. Has God indeed said? What he tries to do is he tries to twist the words there just a little bit. Don't you, have you ever been around that person that can't tell the truth? I had a guy work for me one time and um, he worked good. He was a good mechanic and, you know, he'd start telling these tall tales and he'd start telling all this stuff. And I, in the first four or five months, I listened to him. And then after a while, I found out a little bit of something about him. He couldn't work more than a place more than six months because he couldn't tell the truth that long. He, things would start catching up with him. And so he would have to go find another job. Have you ever been around that person that, that, that just takes a half truth as a whole lie? A half truth is a whole lie. You ever said that been around that person that tries to tell you half of the truth? And when you get to the very end of it, it turns into a whole big lie. And also what he's trying to do is you get these people or, or persons and you get secondhand, oh, secondhand information. Before too long, what started out here as being saying something, it ends up to being something totally different once it gets to the other side of the room. A lot of times what we try to do is we try, people come to us as pastors and they're giving us information and where are you getting the information from? Well, so-and-so said this and this person said that. And I was like, well, let's get them all in a room and let's sit them down and let's talk about it. I ain't going on no secondhand information. Verse two, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. They'd walked with God. They knew God. They'd walked in the garden with him. They'd seen his nature. They knew who he was. Verse three, but, say but. but. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Don't eat it. Don't touch it. Don't even go near that tree. There's only one tree in this whole garden that I don't want you to be around. It's that tree right there. What happens is... Um, your butt will get you in trouble. I mean, you've heard it, man. Your butt is in trouble. But your butt, because what usually happens after a butt? A butt usually causes a lot of big problems. You ever had kids say, but why? You didn't say that around my mama because she'd throw a shoe at you and go, got it back. There was no but why in there. But we got kids now, but why, but why? God said so. Sometimes there's not a big formula. Sometimes there's not this big formula, or we gotta figure out how we're gonna do this and how we're gonna go there, or I can't do this because that. Sometimes it's just because God said so. Simple as that. 
Barrier number two to knowing God, questioning authority. Number four, then the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. For God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Second one he did is he lied and he said, God is holding out on you. Come on. You ever had the enemy get in your, eye, get in your ear and he says, oh, God, God's just trying to hold out. He's trying to make you not have fun. He's trying to make you not do all these things. We live in a culture that often promotes that we are our own God. There's a culture right now of humanism out there right now that we make our own decisions. We go by the way that we want to go. And the reason why we're in the shape that we're in is because our moral compass is out of whack. Our moral compass, the thing that used to bring us back to true north, which is where God wants us to be, is all out of whack. Our GPS, our God PS should be online, online instead of our GPS. Because God can bring you back no matter where you're at, no matter how many destinations you've been to, no matter where you've turned out in life, God can always bring you back to your true north. Barrier number three to knowing God. Disobedience. Oh my goodness, this is when it gets me sometimes. They made their own choice. Verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she's looking at it, that it was pleasant for the eyes. Sometimes uh, he'll just dangle that fruit out there in front of you, right? Sometimes he just dangle, man, that thing looks good. Even though we know God said, don't touch it, but that guy will come back around and man, he looking good. He lost about 20 pounds and y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, that girl looks good even though she was cray-cray about eight months ago and said, I'll never get back with her. But he starts bringing that thing out to you and he starts making it look good and appealing again, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. He dangles that fruit. And it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree. I got to go on or I'm going to be preaching every bit of this. And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took his fruit and she ate. And she gave also to her husband, so it was her fault, and he ate. (laughs) Kidding, ladies. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a covering. Their choice distorted their knowledge of God. Their choice distorted on how they saw God. Up to that point, they only could see God through spiritual eyes. God designed you and me to see through the spirit, not through the physical. These two eyes right here that he gave us, they're our physical eyes, but he designed us in first of them to see only in the spiritual. God, would, God intended us to know him and to see him and who his, new, who, who his real nature is. But those barriers distorted our view. What's the world know about God? I've heard people say, well, I'm just following the man upstairs. He lives upstairs. He's hidden somewhere and he's a good guy and he's good versus the evil. But it matters how you see God in order to know him. I'm going to give you something. How do you see God? Here's a few one. Do you see God as the scoreboard God? Is God up there um, like a drill sergeant looking at you, telling you exactly how you're going to do this? And he's keeping track of everything. Naughty or nice, right? He's he's, He's bigger than Santa Claus. He's keeping track of everything that you're doing wrong and he's checking it off. Or do you see God as a Star Wars God? Instead of thinking of God as a personal, he's some force out there. He's just some, some uh, being that's out there that nobody can get hold of. Do you see God as a Chipotle God? You get to pick what you want in it. That is so good. You get to pick. 
You can put what you want out there, but oh, I don't really like that, God, but that's going to make you better. I really don't want you to put that in green, but that right there is going to make you smell, taste, and be so much better. Or do you see God as a Siri God? God is there to solve our problems. We're really not going to build a relationship. We're just going to keep him in our pocket. We'll pull him out when we have to ask a question. We want to know why our... our, our where we're distorted in knowing God is because we keep him in our pocket and we only pull him out when we want him. Do we see God as our grandpa God? He's a nice, sweet, this is what the world sees right now. He's a nice, sweet guy. He's got a few skills, but we really don't need him because he's outdated. He's outdated. This is, the, this is 2019. You know, we don't have to follow those things anymore. Do you see God that way? I want to give you a definition here. No definition means this. Have you ever been around somebody that knows everything? Or they think, or they, think they know everything. Come on. I see people looking at each other. right? Like, Your wife does not know everything. Your husband doesn't know everything. But you've been around that person that knows everything. And if they don't, they'll make it up. Or they're back there hiding on their phone and they're Googling the answer to you. You give me about 30 seconds and I'm going to tell you that I know it. You ever been around that person? I want to smack them sometimes when they are. But no means this, to be aware of through observation, through inquiry, or information. Information without application can't cause transformation. You can have all of the information that you want. You can know all of the facts and do everything that you know to do, but if you don't apply it to your life, it'll never transform you. We say this all the time. It doesn't matter what you did last night. When, help me, Lord. When you are a babe in Christ and you don't know, you're kind of walking into this progress and this process and you're going down that road. God has the grace and he has the mercy and he has that. He's extending mercy all the way down the line for me. There comes a time when it does matter what you did last night. The reason the barrier is up before us is because we have put the barrier up. It's because we've walked and we do what we want to do. We go where we want to go and we expect God to keep blessing us and, and doing all of these things. And God loves you. Listen to me. But sometimes when you mature and you get to that place, it matters what you did last night. We are going to a new level in this church. And you know how we're going to a new level in this church? Because it matters what we did last night. It matters how we walk and how we talk and what our Instagram and our whole social media looks like. It matters to us. Oh, let me go on. I still got an hour's worth here. The definition, this definition of no can change your life. Have a developed relationship with someone through meeting, spending time, and being familiar or friendly. Do you know how you know God? You just be friends with him. He says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We take uh, people through pre-marriage counseling, right? We want to make sure they really do want to get married. And we try to grill them a little bit. And we say, this is what you're going to go through. And that's how you're going to be. You're going to hate each other some days, right? Can I get them? Come on, somebody. You don't always love your husband, ladies. They're like, you don't always love your wife, men. So we take them through all of these things. Why do we do that? Because they want you to work out some things before you get into a deeper, deeper relationship. 
The relationship house is not built overnight. You know what God wants? He wants us to trade our admiration for devotion. He doesn't want us to admire him and say he's God. He said, I want you, I want your heart. He wants us to trade our questions for seeking. We have a lot of questions, but God says, I want you to start seeking after me. If you'll start seeking me, you're going to find out the questions you've been asking your whole life. You're going to find them. He wants us to trade our knowledge for intimacy. He wants to pull us close. The problem we have in knowing God is because we're a million miles away and he he never left. He's still in the same place he was and he's going like this. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. God, I can't hear you. Well, because you went a thousand miles away. Help me. I was preaching to myself this morning. We were created to know God. But sin came into the world. You know what that sin was? It was a choice and it was a bad choice. How can we see God and know him differently? Can we get, can we get more religious? Will that help us? Oh, that's another sermon in itself. <laughs> well, can I do enough good deeds? Can I just be good enough to get God? Can I become a better person? If you could become a better person on your own, you would already be a better person. If you could do it on your own, you would have already accomplished the things that you started with. But God says, I want to come alongside of you. I don't want to be beside you. I want to be in you. Knowing God. You can't become a better person. Knowing God comes through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. We were separated from God from the garden, and Jesus was our access. Let me read you John 14, 6. And Jesus said to them, he said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. He said, nobody comes to the father, but through me. You want to know who God is? Get to know who Jesus Christ is. Jesus was our human example. And when we got a chance to to know who he is, then we're going to start. Our knowledge of God is going to come back. But Jesus broke down all of those barriers. He broke down all the lies and the misconceptions and the condemnation that the devil throws at you for every sin you've ever, ever done. Do you know the Bible says that once you ask for forgiveness of that sin, it is cast as far as the east, it's from the west, it's in the sea of forgetfulness. He remembers it no more. The sin that he remembers is the sin we keep repeating. Oh my gosh, help me out, Lord. That's the one that's giving, that's tripping us up. That's the one that's keeping us from knowing the true nature of God is the one we continue and continue and continue and continue. Help me, Lord. Let's all stand if we would. Here, basically this, it's, plain, it's pretty simple. God just wants you to know him. And you know him through Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. Somebody feels like God's a million miles away. He's not. He's right there. He's right where, <laughs> he's right where you left him. He's right where you left him. So as the prodigal son got up out of his filth and out of the hog pen of life. And he said, I'm all messy. And I'm, um, I'm just, I just need to go back to the father. This part of it didn't work very good right now. I knew, and I know that I have a father back home who loves me. I know that I have a father back home that, that would provide for me and for do the good things for me. Here I am out here stuck on myself because you know why I tried to know, I tried to find myself. The only way that you ever find yourself is finding Jesus.
Young people, if you're looking for yourself, look to Jesus. Middle-aged people going through your crisis, if you're looking for something right now, find Jesus and he'll, show, he'll point you right back to your true north. Let me tell you this last thing. God loves you and he offers a great plan for your life. I know that you need to tell the enemy sometimes when he gets in your ear that you're worthless, you're hopeless, there's no, nothing ever going to work out for you. You need to tell him, listen, for I know the plans I have for you and they're good plans, the plans to prosper you and to set you on a future that you've never seen before. God has that for you. So as they get ready to sing to you, I'm going to ask you a couple things. Maybe your God PS has kind of got off a little bit. Maybe you're just outside of the zone, maybe. God says, just come back. Point, I'm gonna point you back in the right direction and where you're going. So I'm gonna ask you to do this this morning. If you don't know who Jesus is, maybe you've never accepted him as your personal savior. And that's asking God to come into your life. It's as simple as saying, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I've tried my own way. Will you forgive me for trying my own way? And I am gonna come to you right now just the way that I am, I tried to clean myself up and man, it just didn't work. I looked good on the outside. I put my new shirt on. I put a tie on. Not really. I did all of these things and yet I'm still on the inside. I'm hurting. God, I'm looking just to come back the way that I am. So if that's you this morning, if you don't know Jesus right now, where you're at, say, God, I'm coming home. Been gone. Hadn't figured out how I got here, but I'm coming home. He has a wonderful plan for your life. Number two, if people, if you just have kind of let God just kind of not be something that's priority in your life, just pray. Simply say, God, I want to come back to where you had me. I want to come back to that place where I left you, and I want you to change things. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.